0: the British Chamber of Commerce in Taipei's podcast, hosted by me, Steve Parker. This is a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership, motivation, and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan's most successful leaders, and to find out more about why leadership matters.
1: This week, we're super lucky to have Mick Stanley. He's VP and general manager for GlaxoSmithKline, GSK as we call them. It's a world-class pharmaceutical company. Um, they provide innovative products in three primary areas. We'll talk more to, t- to Mick about this later on, but basically across pharmaceuticals, vaccines and consumer health care. He's from the US. He's worked in a number of uh, GSK branches around the world, both in the United States and in Europe. And now uh, we're welcome to have him. We're very, very lucky to have him here in Taiwan. He's worked for GSK for 15 years. He's a leader, man of some standing. Um, he's studied business. He studied international marketing, and he's been in a leading position in GSK for a number of years now. We're really looking forward to talking to him. Welcome, Mick. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for having
2: me. Very good to talk to
1: you in the, in the chamber today. So we usually start in these leadership conversations just by kind of getting a little bit about you and your background. Is mm-hmm. Is there a process that you go through, you build yourself into, the kind of the the working mode of a morning
2: mm, great yeah good question it, it, it's it, it's evolved over time uh, i think probably as i've matured I, i'm at my best when um i get up early go exercise kind of clear your head i do enjoy the commute in because it kind of like separates you from home into work uh, which is obviously something that you've had, we've we've all had to manage with these lockdowns, right? Because there is the, there is no dividing line between
1: work and home. But but, but I that I, I, was going to be I, my question. This whole thing about the world of work changing. I mean, you're talking about the commute and the change and development. We you don't have that at the moment for a lot of you know a lot of companies don't do that now.
2: Yeah, no. And uh, at GSK, we we have a we have a program. uh it's not a program, but a, one of our I think values is is we we really want people to be able to work when they want, where they want, uh, and. And it's, it's under an umbrella called performance with choice, which is basically, you know, Everybody's got different lives and different things going on, and we all know that you know work should be number two for them, right? Because they've got a family, they've got other things they need to take care of. So I think I think if people can be who they naturally are when they do show up at work, they're at their best. You can do some small things even in that environment, kind of kind of do that to separate yourself from home and
1: work, which I which I still do. I think this is a really interesting point. This point about and and I love the philosophy, the work from where you want. Is that work when you want? Where you want, right? Where you want when you want, right? Where you want when you want. It's I mean, a really it's... interesting philosophy. It tends to be, I think, early managers—people who haven't led for a long time—are afraid of mm. not mm. knowing mm. what people are doing. You know, how, how do you deal with the paranoia of a manager who doesn't know what his people are doing?
2: As you lead people, you, you definitely go through a, a, a maturity in doing it. So you, you generally start when you're when you're first first a leader. You're probably leading. A small number of people, and you're you, you're their direct manager, right? There's not another level down. The first thing you do is you you because you don't have that experience, you do naturally don't trust people as much as you should. Part of it's because you don't trust yourself, right? As a leader, so that confidence of leading people isn't isn't there, and it takes a bit of time. So it's really really important when you do have somebody that you're putting into a leadership position that you that they've got really good support i've made in january we put 15 people that were emerging talent into brand new roles all of them stretch roles things they've never done before because the philosophy before i got here was that we want people to be hundred percent ready before we put them into the next role so that means three years here three years here three years here and then you do that and mine is like, you know, if you're 70 percent right and you show really good potential and you perf- you consistently perform, let's, let, let's, let's take the risk and push them. But when you do that, you've got to have the right support structure in place. They've got to have a really good manager uh, to be able to coach them around some of those insecurities that they might have. And what you want to look for is is their judgment, right? And as a manager, uh, as a leader, especially first line, and, and this is true, second or third or fourth line, is you're you're always you're always observing and listening to to their how they make decisions, uh, the actions they take when they make a mistake, how do they react, and then you can as a leader you can kind of you can pinpoint at the end of the day. Uh, If you don't have great leaders that have really good value and really good judgment, you can be the absolute best GM or president or whatever.
1: You won't succeed. You know, so surrounding yourself by those people are important. I really like these ideas you're talking about, the trust and the approval, because I think, I mean, as someone myself, I've recently taken over a new company. And. uh, You know, the drilling the down all the way through to find out what people do is, um, as you you put it, you have to trust yourself Mm. in order to to trust the people that are around you as a leader, one of the hardest things to do. And I've always had this theory that uh, people get angry and they only get angry because actually they're unsure of themselves. So if you're challenging people on what they're doing, that's great. But this idea of placing your trust, giving approval. But yeah, I think, as you said, you put these things in place, you have to trust people, you have to make, people have to make the judgment, you can't tell people what to do. You're a manager, right? You don't know what everybody does. You've been in several states in the US, you've been in other places, and you're now in Taiwan. Do you find that there is a cultural difference between the way you manage, other people manage, and the way people need to be managed? Hmm.
2: Oh, yeah, there's definitely I mean, there, there's 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 similarities that that connect every uh, you know the world that we're probably much smaller than we think, but there are some there are there are some cultural differences, uh, and, and and I mean you've worked in Europe, but I mean Europe's got you know a lot of differences, and the U.S. to Europe to Asia really a, just a huge spectrum I think of differences. So if I, I if I go back to like the 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 U.S. versus uh, here in Taiwan, and and by the way, I think there's plus and minuses to this. So in both places, I'll give you an example. With my when my kids go when my kids were in school in the U.S., they they go to school and there's really little memorization. uh, It's more. The teacher wants them to learn the strategy. They want the students to challenge the teacher. That's what, you know, they're rewarded for that. You know, here, you do not challenge the, the teacher. The philosophy is different. And I, I think that that goes all the way up to when you're an adult. They might not question me if I make a decision here as much as I would get
1: re- questioned in the U.S., how does that affect you as a leader? Do you, do you eventually start to just have to feel like you make decisions yourself or make or or how do you coach people through <clears throat> to work with you? Because leadership goes both ways, right? You have to yeah. learn how to work with your leader as much as the leader works with you, right?
2: Especially in the role that I have now, um, I, I'm leading leaders, right? So in, in in a situation like that, I really I really want to lead in the back and not the front so i I purposely you know will will stay quiet in meetings and just ask questions Now, there are times where there's nobody that can make the decision but me so i'm very I'm very clear when I need to make that decision, but that I'm very clear about like this decision shouldn't be made by me. this is your decision. I'm just gonna be here. To, to almost spar with you to make sure that you you end up with the, with, with the best possible situation. I don't want you to judge a plan that you put together or a presentation that you deliver. I don't want you to judge yourself that it has to be perfect. Perfection, let's, let's get perfection removed. Every opportunity that you get to demonstrate something that you've done is a teachable moment. If you fail,
1: but you learn from it and you keep going, then I want you to feel great about that. I just heard you talk about, which is a philosophy of leadership that a few people have mentioned to me recently. It's this idea of leading by questions, Mm -hmm. you know, not leading by telling, which I'm a a huge fan of because one, I mean, to be honest, there is no leader in the world who can know everything about a whole business. You know, it's about this trust. You put someone in a position, they have this position, they know what they're doing. The only way to make big decisions is, is to have those people tell you what you need to know. Completely.
2: And especially in a role like like the role of a general manager where, you know, we've got you know, four different business units. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a generalist. So I know enough about each of it and, but more, more than anything, it's, it's really, you know, really
1: listening, active listening. A lot of people come to you with like half formed ideas. And I think this idea of asking the right questions to kind of peel the layers off that onion, you know, how deep do you know? You're saying this project's not going to work. Okay. That's an opinion, right? Your job as a leader is to, is to dig in there and drill in and find out, uh, you know, whether they're actually, you know, is it based on fact? What are the facts? Where does the information come from? So I think, yeah, you've hit on this. Uh, I, I think it's a fascinating form of leadership, mm. which I really, it's uh, subscribe to now. Yeah. yeah, and and you
2: know, and sometimes when you're dealing in ambiguity, right, where there is no right answer maybe we've never done it before do all the questioning in the scenario it's like okay guys what we've got to do is pick one and be okay to fail fast and then learn and then we do it again i think a, a great a great leader you're developing leaders that can easily take over what i'm doing in taiwan right now is five years from now there's two or three possible gms coming from this team you know one of the things i think that we all need to do uh, multinationals that are not, that are, that are Western bases, you know, it, Asia's the biggest market in in the world, probably collectively with Japan and China. How much is our leadership team coming from Asian talent? I, I, my success and legacy will come forward with, you know, a pipeline of people that have been developed that are moving up and moving you know, across and doing different things.
1: What I'm really seeing now, and I think this is a fantastic opportunity for the next generation of Taiwanese leaders. I've got I've
2: got a bunch of emerging talent that's like, when can I go to global? This is where inclusion and diversity is really important. We're on a journey and we still need to get better on that is being inclusive to different cultures and different thinking and different ways of showing up. If you're in the UK or I know in the US, there's a style. That they look for, right? They're really articulate and can walk in a room and 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 carry it and be persuasive on stage because they, you know, the, the English language is just like top notch, right? That's not going to be right off the bat. Somebody may be coming from from Taiwan, but are they a great leader? Are they smart? Can they really do what the same person on stage is very articulate? Totally. We just need to be inclusive to that that difference, and really want that diversity. Because if the best teams I've ever been on have been on ones that are really diverse, you know, when you get a team that you nurture that that diversity, you'll get better ideas. Um, I did I did this course at Wharton, and they were saying one of the issues that uh, one of the biggest consultancy companies in the world that a lot of us use there's no diversity because they're all from the same wealthy neighborhoods went to the same boarding school, then went to the same Ivy League school, and they're the they're the exact same. As a British company, as any big multinational, the more inclusive we can be and wanting diversity,
1: it will drive better performance. I, I think what I'm hearing from you is that you want that difference. You want that Difference mm. to 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 change the way you're thinking mm. and to bring new ideas.
2: And you you've got to have a, a team that is that is willing to be inclusive. Uh, and if you get that, and they value, they see that ah oh, by that difference, they'll add this into the team, and that will really help us be even better. Then 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 you then you you're doing something really good. I think you've got you you have to have KPIs. You know, at a company that's pushing that or it
1: won't it won't naturally happen. I don't think. Is diversity harder to push in a place that is so good at getting together, like Taiwan?
2: What What's harder about it, I think, is um, the speed of change because of that. Those that. You know that that cultural that interpersonal where people really hang out. And I think what is what does work in in the in its favor. What I what I've found is the Taiwanese they want to win. They're really competitive, right? They want they love seeing you know eleven gold or eleven medals at the Olympics. I mean, it's a big thing, right? So it, you know when they understand that hey, if you want to win, if you really want to win. Like the more diverse we are. And bringing in really good talent from outside to, to kind of shake things up will only make us better. They start to see it. I, I see they get it because they they do they do want to win. I think finding that that element that would motivate them to to
1: to accept it is key. I guess a lot of the world is is kind of like that now, where you know leading. I mean, there's a point. You work in a company. The company's got to be successful. If all of these things are going to make you more successful, then uh, then they're much easier to implement. Um, yeah. And I think you're, you know, you're, you're talking from both the company's perspective and from a personal perspective, because these are things that are going to make you better as people, as workers, as professionals, as a company. The more that the team trusts you, the more
2: they're, they're accepting of change. So like when I, when, I for, when I first came on board, and this is a little bit why you probably didn't see me for the first like three or four months, is we've got close to 300 people. I met with everyone one on one. And I came in with two questions that we asked everybody, what's working, what's not working, and dug into those. A lot of people said, I've never, I've never had a meeting with a GM before. And you come out with like, you know, people were like, he really listened. And then we made some fundamental changes based on what they said. Now, the way we made the changes is I put together a team of like influencers, change managers, and I said to them, this is what, this is what the team said. They said, these, these four or five things we need to get better with. I'm not going to come up with a solution. I want you to come up with a solution. And you guys make it happen. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to support it. If we need budget, if we need to do anything, we need to pull in, let me know. And I let the team do it people trust in me the next thing that you have to do is you've got to be consistent right and especially when you've got a team with multiple layers some people might not see you but twice a year so if i show up and i'm in a bad mood and i say something wrong that person is going to feel bad for like the next six months thinking about that moment until i get to see them again right so then, then you build that trust. Then be consistent, and then be strategic about your communication. Then, with that, you can do a lot of change because you've won, you've won the hearts and the minds of of, of the folks here. When, and when you do, they 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 go after it, right?
1: I mean, some of the things that I've heard from you, I think are super super useful as leaders. This idea of trust is incredible. I think you have to trust yourself, trust your people. The other thing about approval. You know, you have to kind of build approval into the process. You've got this idea. You talked a little bit about rewards for behavior. Um, Your approval as a leader, I see, as being very important to people as well. You talked a lot about this idea of building the future. I mean, as a leader, you've kind of got to build yourself out of a job. The thing has to remain in play after you're gone. You you talked a lot about... um, GSK and what GSK does in diversity and inclusion, but also it feels like it's something very personal for you as well. And I think that that's something that's super important getting the ideas from multiple different uh, kinds of input, you know, different people giving different input. The world is a full of a lot of different people and different ideas. So we need to develop by understanding all of those and making the best decisions we can. And I love this idea of you sitting down with the whole team 300 people, one by one, and just saying, what's working, what's not working, and building this change plan out of that. So I think as a, as a roadmap for a leader, you know, these things are fantastic. And the final one I just wrote down now is this idea of, you know, seeing something through, you've got to be consistent. Is there, I mean, in terms of GSK, and the future for GSK, is there anything that you're able to share with us about what's going to be going on in the kind of near future?
2: We're 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 at a real exciting time. If you if you look at where we're spending our money on R and D, um, it's on immunology, it's on you know genetics, it's on infectious disease. So, you know, you're thinking cell therapy, genetics, you're going immunotherapy, and vaccines are going to be critical. I think what the pandemic has proved is that science needs to get ahead of disease with platforms like vaccination, which is prevention and treatment that can solve for it. And and COVID is a perfect example of that. Getting vaccine and treatments available as fast as possible so the pandemic can end and be endemic, and we can live a normal life. We need to do that on multiple different diseases, um, and that I think, to me, is is really the exciting place that we're going to be moving uh, as a company. You know, the, they're in the in the UK, we're building it will be the largest scientific, you know, center in all of Europe. And we've got a partnership with 23andMe, which is all, you know, the, the whole DNA has got millions and millions and millions of people in it. So as we're developing new molecules, we can, we can really test early on, is this going to work or not going to work? Our turning this big ship that, you know, we were, you know, our share price was never growing because that we were paying big dividends is moving to where we want to go growth at the GM level out of the 70 GMs that we have. 64 new in the last 18 months. So from a complete leadership change to really get, you know, GSK performing really well, the R&D focus, right. Uh, and then, you know, the culture will follow that. So I think, I think it's very exciting. I think, it, I think it's really, it's going to be fun. Um, so I think the future is probably the best, but the best is yet to come uh, for GSK.
1: I thank you for taking your time out today to spend uh, some of it with us.
2: Yeah, you got it. Thanks, Steve, for the uh, invitation. And happy happy to be able to spend time
0: with you guys. You can listen to this podcast on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for the British Chamber of Commerce in Taipei. You can also check out our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, or you can head to our website, bcctaipei.com. We'll see you next time on Leadership Matters. Thank you.